Are you ready to know your worth and identity in the body of Christ? Are you ready for kingdom conversations with kingdom people? Welcome to the Recovery to Recovered podcast. I'm your host, Kayla McCall, and I will be guiding you through the word with preaching and teaching and empower you to know who you are in Christ Jesus. I am excited for today. I'm excited to preach today, and I am excited to see what the Lord is going to do. The Lord has already showed up in a great way, in a great way, and so I'm just I'm just very thankful for that. Today, this was what just took place in these altars and, and in this service today was an intimate thing, an intimate thing with the Holy Spirit of God, and it was incredible. I, I noticed that we have a lot of people missing today, a lot of vacations taking place in this month, but hey, that's okay. We had an encounter with the Holy Ghost this morning. Come on, somebody. Oh, I love it. I love it. I love it. If you've got your Bibles, go ahead and turn over to Acts chapter 2. That's where I'm going to start today. Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 1. And we're going to read to verse 4. And then we're going to jump right into this thing. Amen. Would you stand with me for the reading of God's word today? When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together and in one place. And suddenly a noise like a violent rushing wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. And tongues that looked like fire appeared to them, distributing themselves. Distributing themselves. And a tongue rested on each one of them. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with different tongues as the Spirit was giving them the ability to speak out. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you would help me to preach and teach today. Father, I feel there is a shifting taking place and that today is going to be a day of a lot of teaching. But Lord, I thank you. I thank you for the ability to teach. Give me the ability to teach today and to preach your word. Help us to understand what it is that took place today with the baptism of the Holy Ghost that happened 2,000 years ago there in Jerusalem and has continued to this day with folks being baptized in your Holy Spirit. Baptize this service in your spirit, God, in your anointing and in your power. Give me revelation to preach. It's in the name of Jesus that I pray. And the church said, Amen. Well, Welcome to church this morning on Pentecost Sunday. Come on, do I got any Pentecost folks in the house today that are thankful for the Holy Ghost, that are thankful for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit? And you know, today is a day that we celebrate. This is 50, this was 50 days after Easter. So this was the 50th day after Jesus was crucified and resurrected. Amen. That's what Pentecost actually means. It means 50, right? And what was taking place on Pentecost was that they celebrated the wheat harvest, right? So they were celebrating the wheat harvest. And wheat is what we use to produce bread, right? And Jesus is what? The bread of life. Come on, somebody. So, like, this is all this stuff wraps into e- to each other. And, you know, um, the Bible is just so cool. It's just full of so many nuggets and how the Lord ties all of these things together. I just find it so cool that that's uh, what took place. And so last week we started our short series on the Holy Spirit, and I'm teaching on the Holy Spirit 
for the next couple of weeks. And I said it last week, and one reason why I wanted to do this was I didn't, I had I had actually forgotten that Pentecost Sunday was this Sunday when we started this a couple of weeks, when really the Lord started downloading about preaching on the Holy Ghost. And then I realized a couple of weeks ago that Pentecost Sunday was coming up. And I was like, oh my goodness, well, we got to teach on, preach on the Holy Ghost. Come on, somebody, right? And so we started this, this short series a couple of weeks ago. And one reason why I wanted to preach and teach on this topic is because the Holy Spirit is the one part of the Godhead who is completely misunderstood. He is misrepresented at times. A lot of people don't know how to teach him. A lot of people don't know how to preach him. There's even churches that will put him on the back shelf, put him on a shelf, sit him in the corner. They believe in the gifts of the Spirit. They believe that, that God is still doing what he said he would do 2,000 years ago. They believe that Holy Ghost is still alive and active today, pouring out the gifts of the Spirit, giving wisdom, revelation, knowledge, and power. But they're willing to just push him to the back of the room. And I find that very, very sad. But I, I felt that we need to teach on him and preach on him because we are a spirit-filled church here. And, and it's, you, you can't obtain what you do not understand. See, see, in all your knowledge, get understanding, right? So, so it's one thing to know about it, knowledge, know, right? But it's another thing to really understand it, amen? And so that's why I'm here and where we're at today. And uh, he's misunderstood. He's the most, most misrepresented part of the Godhead because we can preach about Jesus all day long. We can preach about the love of the Father. But when you start talking Holy Ghost, a lot of pastors and preachers, they just get lost. They, they're scared of it. They don't know how to touch it. They don't want to touch it because they don't really understand him. The other part of that, I talked about it last week, is that pastors lose control when Holy Spirit shows up. You see what just happened a minute ago? I wasn't in control of none of that. And, and a lot of pastors, they just don't like that. They just can't handle that. There's some control freaks out there. Some of y'all need to be saying amen a lot louder than you are right now. I mean, they, they freak out when they're not in control of every little detail of the service. But how many y'all don't go to a church like that? I want the Holy Spirit to be in control of our service. I want Holy Ghost to come in here and set the people free because I can't set nobody free. Holy Spirit is the only one who can set people free. We need to talk about who he actually is and, and, and be teaching and preaching him because Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father and the Father is on his throne in heaven, right? We talked about that last week, that the Father is seated on his throne, Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father, and the Holy Spirit is the actual part of the Godhead who is with us. And if you've said yes to Jesus, he's in you. Amen, right? So we can stop singing that song, Jesus Take the Wheel, right? Y'all remember, we talked about that last week. That's, that's bad theology. Jesus ain't going to take the wheel. He's not leaving his throne in heaven. He came to earth and did his part. Then he didn't leave you as an orphan. He sent his helper. He sent you some help. Come on, somebody. He sent you some help called the Holy Ghost. And the reason why so many Christians struggle is because we don't, we don't embrace where our help comes from. Y'all ain't saying nothing. We, we, we don't embrace where our help comes from because that can get a little bit weird. And I might not be in control at that point. But we can stop singing that song, right? We need to maybe say, Holy Spirit, take the wheel. Come on, somebody. And we talked about last week. That Jesus uses his last words on the face of the earth, talking about the Holy Ghost, and he says, wait, don't go anywhere, don't you dare leave this upper room 
until the Holy Ghost comes upon you and you will be what? Clothed with power from on high. Jesus says, don't go anywhere. You need this. You can't go anywhere without it. You can't accomplish anything without him. I'm not going to send you into the battle with no ammo. Oh, come on, somebody. Jesus ain't going to send you into the enemy's camp without no power. Because if you go into the enemy's camp without no power, you might get beat up like the seven sons of Sceva. Y'all ain't saying nothing. To, you might leave beaten, bruised, and naked because your enemy will whoop you if you ain't got no power. You need the power of the Holy Ghost. And we talked about the power of the Holy Spirit and his purpose on the earth. And those purpose, one of those purposes was to give you power, right? Come on, somebody. I said the Holy Spirit came to bring you power. Somebody say power. Touch your neighbor. Say power, power, power. He gave you power to raise the dead. He came to give you power to heal the sick. Come on. He came to give you power to prophesy. He came to give you, watch this one, power over your flesh. He came to give you power. He came to give you power over the devil trying to attack your family. Power over every enemy that's trying to snatch up your kids. Y'all ain't saying that. Power over your marriage. Power over every temptation. The Holy Spirit came to bring you power. We also talked about how when the Holy Spirit shows up, it can get a little messy. Come on, somebody. We've seen that today. said it can get a little messy. Not out of order. Hear me out. No, I didn't say out of order. I said it can get a little bit messy when the Holy Spirit shows up. People can fall over when the Holy Spirit shows up. Come on, somebody. People, people can fall over when the Holy Spirit shows up. When the Holy Spirit shows up, people can begin to hit an altar and weep uncontrollably. It can get a little bit messy when the Holy Spirit shows up. There'll be mascara and makeup running everywhere when the Holy Spirit shows up. Come on. Husband, you might have walked in here with her looking one way, but you're going to leave with her looking another way. That's what the power of the Holy Ghost can do. And she might not just leave looking different physically, but she can leave looking different spiritually. Oh, my. When the Holy Spirit shows up, drugs and needles and cigarettes and all kind of addictions can be left on an altar. See, it gets a little bit messy. That, 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 that ain't good for a cookie-cutter, clean-cut church. When stuff like that begins to happen, it can get a little bit crazy, right? And get a little bit crazy when you got used needles on an altar. I've seen it happen in revival services where people are dropping off. I've had dirty needles handed to me. I wasn't scared of it. Why? Because I got the power of the Holy Ghost. It can get messy, and some preachers, they won't talk about them, and they won't teach them, and they won't preach them. And we talked about that, and we talked about the other reason to that why last week, right? I'm kind of recapping here so that y'all can get a hold of this. And that is that when the Holy Spirit shows up, pastors aren't in control anymore. Y'all heard me talk about that just a minute ago. And some pastors are control freaks. Come on, somebody. They just want to be in control of everything. They just want to They'll shut Holy Ghost down. Do you understand? The reason why you're even in the position that you're in is because Holy Ghost put you there. And you start putting a cap on the Holy Ghost. So instead of having great moves of God, they're more interested in throwing on a two-piece suit, having two songs, and a clever three-point sermon. They'll put the Holy Spirit on a shelf and say, Holy Ghost, you take, you take a seat in the back over there and we'll call you out if we need you. Oh, Lord, help me. We'll call you off the bench and get you in the game if we need you, Holy Ghost. But not in this house. Come on, somebody. I said, 
I said, not in this house. Y'all in a different type of church because the Holy Spirit has complete liberty in this place to touch lives and move on the hearts and lives of men and women because what Holy Spirit can do in one moment, I can't do in a hundred church services. Come on, somebody. I can't do it in a hundred sermons. Come on, somebody. We need the power of the Holy Ghost. So we talked about the power. We talked about how Jesus says that you need to start in Jerusalem. Come on, somebody. Jesus says you need to start in Jerusalem, then go to, to Judea, then go to Samaria, then go to the ends of the earth. We got to stop expecting God to send us to Zimbabwe when you won't share the gospel with somebody who's seated right next to you in your cubicle at work. He said start in Jerusalem, right? Wait. You need the power. Once you get the power, start in your city, then start in your region, then start in your state, then your nation can be touched. If we were to get a hold of the recipe that God gives us to accomplish his mission and mandate in the earth for the gospel to go to the ends of the earth, why don't we just follow that? Why have we complicated this thing? Here's another thing. Stop expecting harvest where you have not sown. Right. Right. I said that last week. We got to stop expecting a harvest where we don't plant no seeds. We have to stop expecting where we have not sown. Stop talking about how you want to get close to God when you won't pray. Stop talking about getting close to God when you won't read your Bible. Stop talking about getting close to God when you won't show up to church. Y'all real quiet this morning. Because you, you, you want harvest, but you ain't planting nothing. Here's the other thing about planting. You plant in one season and reap in the next. Which brings me to my text today. All that was free. And I'm pumped about this because this is one of my favorite topics to talk about in all of the Bible. And I'll tell you why. It's not because of something that I le uh, learned in some theological school or seminary or ministry school or whatever. This stuff that I'm talking about and preaching to you today is something that hit my life and it changed me. It absolutely changed me. The baptism of the Holy Ghost changed me. The Holy Spirit changed me. I went from being a drug dealer to a hope dealer. Come on, somebody. I went from being a drug addict to being completely free. I went to being a womanizer to loving one woman, my wife, and treating her like the, that Christ loved the church and washing her with the reading of the word. Come on, man. This stuff will change you. The Holy Ghost will change you. And as a young preacher... I'm going to still preach and teach on the baptism of the Holy Ghost. That's what I'm talking about today. The baptism of the Holy Ghost is what we're talking about. Because a lot of young preachers, they won't preach it no more. They, they won't talk about it anymore. And the reason why they won't talk about it anymore, because there has been a generation ahead of me that has said, oh, we believe in all that. That's in the Bible. We believe the whole Bible. But you know what? It's really not good church growth. When you have an individual that don't know nothing about God and he walks into your church service, it's really not good for him to be seeing people fall over and for people to be prophesying and speaking in tongues and all of that. You know, we, we believe in all that, but I think we just need to put him over here on the shelf or set him in this back corner so that we can grow the church. The problem with that is you grow in your church numbers, but you ain't growing the kingdom of God. Come on, somebody like 
it still takes the power of the Holy Ghost to heal a marriage. It still takes the power of the Holy Ghost to set the addict free. It still takes the individual who's full of pride and arrogance and all kind of wickedness and deceitfulness. It takes the power of the Holy Spirit to set that person free. Your clever three-point relative sermon ain't going to change nothing. They said things like, we don't, we don't want to freak people out in our services. We don't want things to get messy in our church. Well, I got news for that generation above me. The Holy Ghost is still the greatest church growth model there is. Why don't we just ask Peter? Because after he got baptized in the Holy Ghost, he opened his mouth and his words were so convicting and heavy that the church of Jesus Christ grew in one sermon that probably took 10 minutes. If you could read the whole sermon in the Bible and 3,000 were added in one day. That's the greatest church growth model. What are we thinking? Why do we think that we have gotten so smart that we can just put the Holy Ghost on the shelf. My man, out of the mouth of bays, will praise the Lord. He, 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 he's, he's, he's getting me fired up. Woo! Peter, filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost, speaks in tongues. Then he begins to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And 3,000 souls were added in one day in about a 10-minute sermon. Come on. What in the world is wrong with the church where we thought that we have gotten so smart we study so much. I went to seminary school for six years. Please sit down. It still takes the Holy Ghost. You ain't saving nobody. It takes the regeneration of the Holy Spirit of God at work in an individual that will actually produce fruit for a long time. Because see, here's the thing. Here is the thing. My goodness, my goodness, thank you, Holy Ghost. Why are our churches grandiose and we have the biggest buildings and the nicest stuff all over this country but our country has went to hell we got racism all over our country we got hate and bigotry all over our country we've got people saying it's okay for a man and a man to marry we got our government says it's okay for homosexuals to get married and for a man to be with a man come on our country has went to hell but our churches are full of the Holy Spirit. I'll say that again. It takes the power of the Holy Spirit. It takes the power of the Holy Spirit. See, I just don't want people freaking out in our services. I want them sitting there sweating and squirming, talking about, oh my gosh, the power of God is in this room, and I got to get right with God. I want them sweating. I want them squirming. I want them shaking. I want them saying, I got to get right with God today. I've got to hit. When is he going to do an altar call? I've got to get the Holy Ghost. I've got to change. I have got to do something different. That's not to condemn anybody. That's what we need. That's what I needed. That's what it took for me to change was the power of the Holy Spirit. It was the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I'm more interested in growing the real church of Jesus Christ. Let me say that again. 
I'm interested in growing the authentic, true, real church of Jesus Christ. I'm not interested in putting butts in seats. Yes, numbers matter. There's a whole book called Numbers, and I'm going to try to bring them in in the groves in this church building. But I came to tell you, I'd rather grow the authentic, true, spirit-filled, power-filled church of God that can make a difference in our city, that can make a difference in our region, that can make a difference in this state, that can make a difference in this country. That's what we need. It's the Holy Ghost, watch this, it's the Holy Ghost that even enables you to be born again. That's why Jesus says you must be born again of water and the Spirit. I'm really about to mess y'all up now. Because Jesus isn't talking about water baptism there either. Jesus ain't talking about water baptism there either. He's talking about physical birth and spiritual birth. When you are born out of water physically, when you come into the earth, hence your mother's water breaks. Just like to be birthed into the kingdom, the spiritual realm, you have to come through the spirit. And that's why Jesus says you must be born again once physically. But then you must be born again spiritually. That's why he can say be born again. Because you're born physically and then born again spiritually. Oh, that's good teaching. Might hit some of y'all on the way out. Watch this. And without that, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. If you are not born again of the spirit. I came to tell somebody today that you need the Holy Ghost. Come on, somebody. I came to tell you today that you need the Holy Spirit of God. You don't get into heaven if you ain't got the Holy Ghost. Watch this. He is the deposit upon your salvation. He is the down payment. I'm not saying that if you don't speak in tongues, you ain't going to heaven. I'm saying if you don't have the Holy Spirit, you ain't getting into heaven. He is the deposit. He is the down payment on your salvation. If Jesus shows up and you ain't paid the bill and you don't have the deposit, you ain't going to get in your new uh, mansion in heaven. So Jesus comes and the deposit is gone. You ain't going anywhere with Jesus. That's why it's so important not to grieve the Holy Ghost. That's why it's so important not to grieve the Holy Spirit. You need him around. Come on, somebody. You need him in you. You need him to lead you. You need him to guide you. Need, you need him to make business decisions. Come on, all my business owners in the house. Come on. You need him to make good business decisions. You need him to know who to marry. You need to know, you need to know him so you know who not to marry. Come on, somebody. I should have got ten more amens after that. Because the Holy Spirit is who leads you and guides you. You need to know him for everything. You need him to pray. And this is where I'm going to do some teaching. Did you know that you need the Holy Spirit to even pray? I believe the initial physical evidence of the baptism of the Holy Ghost is speaking in other tongues. And when I say initial physical evidence, what I mean is it's just that. It's physical. It's tangible. It's a physical manifestation. It is the proof or the evidence that you have been baptized in his spirit. I believe there's a difference between being filled with the spirit and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Why, you might ask. Well, I'm glad you asked. 
It's called a word study. And a whole lot of preachers would be better off if they would do some word studies. Stop just preaching stuff that they taught you in seminary. Open your Bible. Break out a concordance and figure out what the word actually means in the Greek or in the Hebrew, right? Because I believe that all Christians are filled with God's spirit. Watch this. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 says that you are a temple of the Holy Spirit, right? You are a house. You are, you are the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit, right? 1 Corinthians 3, 16. 2 Corinthians 6, 16. 2 Timothy 1, 14. I could go on and on with scriptures that say that you are filled with the Holy Spirit when you say yes to Jesus. But the Greek word baptismo, it means to fully submerge, not sprinkle. We don't do the sprinkling around here. We got a tub. We'll dunk you. Not sprinkle. It means to submerge. Watch this. Jordan done called me out. She said, we got props today. Come on, somebody. We learning something. Watch this. Baptismo means to fully submerge. How many of you in the room would agree that that cup is filled with water? It's filled. Please shake your head yes. Taking y'all to science class. Look, she said, okay, oh, mama, all right, all right. We want to be filled with the Holy Ghost for real. All right, mama, amen. Shoo. Okay, all right, is it filled? Is it filled now? All right, it's filled, it's filled. The cup is half full. All right, this, this cup is filled, but I'm about to baptize it. Oh, Jesus. Because it's not only filled, it is now submerged and surrounded. That's what a baptism of the Holy Ghost would do for you. You'll be walking in the Spirit, and every demon in Bedford County be like, oh, they, they not only filled, but they're submerged. They are surrounded with the fire of the Holy Spirit. Don't touch that one. Don't touch that one. Don't touch his family, because they'll get to fire breathing and speaking in tongues, and we can't even understand what it is that they're saying, but they are filled with the fire and the power of the Holy Ghost. Man, that's good teaching. Man, that's good teaching. I said it earlier. You can't do much of anything in the Christian life without the Holy Ghost. I said you can't do much of anything in the Christian life without the Holy Spirit. And guess what? You even need the Holy Spirit to pray. This is one of the two main reasons that God institutes speaking in tongues in the earth for. One of them is to help you pray. Romans 8.26, watch this. Now, in the same way, the Spirit also helps our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes with groanings too deep for words. Did you catch that? This is a tool and a gift from God that he has given us because we don't even know all the things that we need to be praying for as we ought to. So God says, oh, in their flesh and in their carnal mind, they're not going to be able to understand spiritual things. They're not going to be able to understand what they need to pray for. So I'm going to send my spirit. Oh, come on, son. I'm going to send my spirit. I'm going to baptize them. I'm going to submerge them in my spirit. And then they'll begin to robo and you will be praying for things that you know not. Watch this. Let me help us. Let me give us a practical example of this. See, you could be praying in the Holy Ghost. 
Holy Ghost, and the Lord just began to, to burden you, and you begin to pray in the Spirit. You don't even know what you're needing to pray for, but what's happened is that you have protected your teenager who's driving down the road, who's about to get in a car wreck, but you can begin to pray in the Spirit, and you can begin to, to send ministering angels to that individual and save them from something like that. You might be praying for protection for your spouse, your husband, or your wife. You might be pulling your friends straight out of hell when you begin to pray in the Holy Ghost. When God will put their face in front of you as you pray in the Holy Ghost. And you begin to pray over that individual in the Holy Ghost. You're praying for things that your flesh don't even know about. But the Spirit of God praying through you will begin to speak things out in the atmosphere. You know the voice. I probably should preach a whole sermon on this. But the voice, scientists and medical experts, they talk about how the voice, it carries into the atmosphere. It carries into the atmosphere. Isn't Satan the prince of the air? When you begin to release that sound in the atmosphere, all of hell will get pushed back. All of hell will get pushed back. And you release that in the atmosphere. And things will begin to shift. And things will begin to change. And things will begin to break off of individuals. Releasing it in the atmosphere, it does something. I don't even believe the devil knows how to understand when you're speaking in tongues. So you start praying for it, he starts freaking, what in the world are they praying for? Who in the world are they praying for this time? Who in the world is fixing to get delivered? Who in the world is fixing to get saved? Oh no, they're shaking in their boots. God don't shake in his, but the devil will shake in his. But see, things turn around in our country if we had more people praying in the Holy Ghost. We could see some marriages healed if spouses would take charge of their marriage and pray in the Holy Ghost. We see more addicts set free if we stop trying to figure out why their serotonin levels are this and why they're depressed and why they got this going on and why they got that going on. Why don't we begin to pray for them over the, in the Holy Ghost and watch things begin to shift and change in their life? Come on, somebody. We need the church of Jesus Christ praying in the Holy Ghost once again, like the first century church did. We need the power of a prayer language. Let me say this, too. This is what takes your prayer closet to the next level. Praying in the Holy Ghost is what takes your prayer life to the next level. Come on, somebody. It takes you to the next level. I wonder if there's anybody in the room that says, I serve a next level God, that I want all of God that I can have, that I want the next level. I want my prayer life to go to the next level. I want to pray in the Holy Ghost. I want to pray in the Spirit. Y'all hear me? I'm talking. Y'all hear me all the time talk about the secret place and what the secret place is. It's your alone time with Jesus. Jesus says, go to a room, shut the door behind you, and your father who sees in secret will reward in the open. That's why I tell our ministry guys, that's why I tell our church all the time, pray in the Holy Ghost. Go into the secret place with God and pray and seek God. One of the requirements for our third phase students is that they spend an hour a day with Jesus. In the secret place, with the door shut behind them, praying and seeking after the face of Almighty God. Let me tell you this little story from uh, Jesse Duplantis. 
He said that one day he was praying and the Holy Spirit asked him and said, Jesse, why did I institute speaking in tongues in the earth? And he said, with all this Pentecostal doctrine and background that he said, he said, well, Lord, it is the initial physical evidence of the Holy Spirit. He said, yeah, that's a part of it, but that's not the real answer. The real answer is this, that every language on the face of the earth goes bankrupt, talking about my goodness, my glory, who I am, and what I have done. That's why another reason why speaking in tongues has been instituted in the earth, because your English language will eventually go bankrupt in the prayer, prayer closet. But when you can pray in the spirit, you'll just continue to pray. Paul says, I pray with understanding, and then I pray in the spirit. I sing in the spirit, and then I sing with understanding. Come on, somebody, I'm preaching. Like, we need to pray in the Holy Ghost. You need to pray in your known language too, but you need to pray in the Holy Ghost. You see, when you're praying in the Spirit, you never run out of things to say. Come on, somebody. You can spend more than 10 minutes in a prayer closet when you got a prayer language. Come on, somebody. You can spend more than 10 minutes with God without running out of things to say. The Bible says when you pray in the Spirit that no man understands you, but you speak mysteries to God. Paul also says in Corinthians, like I said, I said, I will pray in the spirit and I will pray with understanding. I will sing in the spirit and I will sing with understanding. So it's not just good to pray in your known tongue, but in unknown tongues as well. The Bible teaches you need both. And I help me, Holy Ghost. This don't mean turn into a fruitcake either. okay? and be a weirdo. This doesn't mean that you just run up to individuals and start praying in tongues when you speak the same language as them, okay? Like this ain't, this ain't saying turn into a fruitcake, turn into a, a crazy person. What he is saying is that when people walk into your service and they see things like this, they're going to be flipping out and saying, whoa, look at the power of God in this place. Because this ain't no human originated stuff. This is the power of God at work in this place. Or when you don't speak the same language but you go up to the individual and speak in tongues and he understands what you are saying and that he will give glory to God and say, only God could have done this. Watch this. I'm about to teach y'all something that I almost guarantee you probably never heard. And it's this. You understand that in Acts chapter 2 that two miracles happened that day. Two miracles happened that day. Two incredible phenomenons happened all at once and it wasn't just speaking in tongues. Also, it was the fact that, watch this, it was translated by the time that it hit the ears of the individuals that were standing outside of the upper room. I'm really going to blow y'all's mind. Hold on. Because it's been taught for years and even taught to me that they spoke in the languages of the individuals of that day. But through my time and study, I just don't really believe that anymore. And you might be asking yourself, Caleb, well, why is that? And I'm glad you asked because I'm about to tell you right now. It's because that we always back up scripture with scripture. We always back up scripture with scripture. And watch this. First Corinthians 14, 2 says, for anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people, but to God. Indeed, no one understands him, and they utter mysteries by the Spirit. So first of all, they was praying to God, they wasn't even speaking to them. Hence, he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to man, but speaks to God. And no man understands him, but when they heard them speaking... They heard them saying and talking about the wonderful works of God in their own language. 
Two miracles happened that day. Tongues and a translation hit their ears by the time it hit them. That's the type of God we serve. Come on, somebody. I said that's the type of God we serve. He is a miracle-working God. He's a way maker. He's a promise keeper. See, all the way over in Joel chapter 2, he said, there's coming a time where I'm going to pour out my spirit on all flesh, and my sons and daughters shall prophesy. Come on, somebody. They will begin to speak a new tongue. Jesus says that in the, in the last days that I will pour out my spirit. I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Sons and daughters shall prophesy. That you'll lay your hands on the sick and they shall recover. Those who believe shall lay their hands on the sick and they shall recover. And they will also speak in other tongues. Some people think God stopped working crazy miracles after Moses in the Red Sea. Or that he stopped or that they stopped when Jesus was here. But yet the disciples were regular men like me and you. There weren't just men in the upper room. There was all of his father. If you go, go read, I believe it's in, it's in Luke chapter 8. Do you understand that it was women that funded Jesus' ministry? You want to know who the first woman evangelist was? The first one that saw him rose from the dead that went running back to the disciples and said, He lives! He lives! He lives! She was actually the first preacher. My next point on tongues is this, too. I told you I was going to do some teaching today. I'm about, I'm, about to, I'm about to wrap it up here in just a second. But because a lot of people are this, they're like, why in the world tongues? Why in the world speaking in unknown language? Why in the world would God institute this thing? It seems a little cuckoo. It seems a little weird. It seems a little spooky at times. And I'm going to tell you why God had to do something like that to the tongue supernaturally. And it's this. Turn to James chapter 3. I'm going to start in verse 3, 3 and 4. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal and take ships as an example. Although, although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants it to go. Y'all getting something yet? Watch this. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue is also a fire. Didn't the Bible say that it showed up as tongues of fire? I think God was trying to reverse something here. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, hence the power of life and death is in your tongue. Sets the whole course of one's life on fire. I, I, thank you, Holy Ghost. I got to say this. Stop saying negative things about your life and where you're at. Don't let that stuff come off of your tongue. Don't confess that evil over your life. It might not look like it, but thank God that he wants us to prophesy to things that, 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 that look different. It might look this way right here and right now, but God wants you to speak to your situation and he wants you to take authority over your situation. And itself is set on fire by hell. Keep going. All kinds of, oh, I think we're back at that. 
Hang on, no, 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 no. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. No human being can tame the tongue. Let me tell you who can, the Holy Spirit of God. Oh, I ain't even done yet. Hold on. It can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise our Lord. Tell me this ain't real. We praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in the likeness of God. Keep going. Out of the same mouth pour praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. I've heard so many pastors preach that thing and say, oh, well, we're never going to tame the tongue. We're, we, you know, it's just a full of evil. It's set on fire by hell. You know, well, who can tame it? The Spirit of God can tame it. And he also says a couple verses later, that's why I can't cherry pick scripture, says a couple verses later, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water come from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fair fig tree bear olives, or a grapevine bear figs. Neither can salt water produce fresh water. You know what that's saying? You want to know what that's saying? Is that you can't be a hypocrite. I've never heard anybody, church is full of hypocrites. And that's, they just say, like, well, that's, that's okay. No, it's not. It's not okay. The church should not be full of hypocrites. The church should be full of people filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost that ain't talking out both sides of the neck, that ain't talking out both sides of the mouth, but people that have the tongue tamed by the baptism of the Holy Ghost who can begin to speak in power and authority over people's situations and not be bearing, you can't bear salt water and fresh water. It's an impossibility. I cannot take an orange tree planted in Massachusetts and it produce oranges. That's why we need the baptism of the Holy Ghost. That's why we need, that's why it takes tongues. Because humanity needs the tongue tamed. That's why they came down as tongues of fire. God needed some fire breathers in the earth. Come on, somebody. Who would be able to live by the power of the Spirit and do what they say by the power of the Spirit. Come on, somebody. God instituted tongues so we could not spring forth both salt water and fresh water. He instituted tongues so we could not be praising and cursing all with the same tongue. He instituted tongues so we can bear forth the fruit of the Spirit and not the fruit of our flesh. Earthly languages are fleshly because they come from here. But heavenly languages are spiritual because they don't come from here. They originate in heaven and by the Spirit of God. I wonder, do I have anybody in the room who's tired of talking out both sides of your mouth? Come on, somebody. I wonder, do I got anybody in the room who's tired of talking out both sides of your neck? No, we got to start talking the right way. We got to start praying the right way. Tired of saying one thing, but then going and doing another. Come on. Paul wrote Romans 7 before he wrote Romans 8. A lot of people out here comparing ourselves to Peter. You ever heard anybody? Well, Peter just reminds me a lot of myself. My question to you is which one? Which Peter does yourself Remind you of the one that's filled with impulse, always writing checks that he can't cash, full of outbursts of wrath, 
cutting off people's ears because he's aiming for their head? Or is it the one who stands before the Sanhedrin and says, shall I listen to man or shall I listen to God? Because I seen him, I touched him, I felt him, I seen him after his resurrection. I'm not worried about what y'all are saying. I'm not worried if y'all going to beat me. I'm not worried if y'all are going to crucify me. I'm filled with the Holy Ghost and power now. I'm not full of compromise. I'm full of the Holy Ghost and power. Thank you for listening to the Recovery to Recover podcast. If you like what you heard today, visit BeTheBushMinistries.com or MiriamHouse.com to become a monthly partner or for more info about our ministry and what we are accomplishing for the kingdom of God. You can also follow me on Facebook at Caleb McCall or on Instagram at Pastor Caleb Mack. See you next week.